Welcome to Arise Birmingham. We're so glad you're here. I've already, I've met several people. This is their first time, and we're honored that you're here in the house today. You are family already, whether this is the only time you come or not. We love you. We bless you. Hey, listen, I'm really excited this morning because I'm about to introduce a very, very special amazing woman that's going to be sharing her heart with you this morning and bringing the truth of God's word. Are you happy? Are you excited? Listen, let me tell you something about this woman. She's very near and dear uh, to this Arise Birmingham house and family. And for me, honestly, personally, this woman has impacted and continues to impact my life on a weekly basis. Just by being around her and just who she is. And I, I just, I feel like everything that comes out of her mouth, the presence of God is on. One of those types of w- women, okay? She's a leader, not only in this house, but in this world. She's a leader in the faith. And she has no desire for a microphone or a stage or platform because she knows and realizes that everywhere she goes, she's already on a stage and platform because Christ Jesus lives inside of her. Jesus just oozes out of this precious woman. She's a servant. She goes low. She's eager to take the last seat. She has no desire to be seen. She wants everybody to see Christ. Christ in her. She's a worshiper. She's a laid down lover of God's presence. She's an evangelist. Everywhere she goes, she tells people about Jesus. She is a special, special, powerful woman of God. And Jeremy and I and and Caroline and Nedra and Melanie, we look at each other all the time and we go, I cannot believe that she has chosen Arise Birmingham to be her family. She has had that kind of impact in her life. It is my honor, my joy, my privilege. Can we all just stand up to honor and thank Yvonne Rudolph to share with us this morning. This is going to take some getting used to. He is Emmanuel. Amen. He is Emmanuel. Hallelujah. He is God with us. There's a concept that's taught throughout the scriptures. And if you and I could absorb it fully, that concept could transform our lives. If we could actually believe the truth of this one teaching, we could receive the faith that Jesus said would cause us to move mountains. We could walk in victory every day and never be crippled by unbelief or doubt or shame or anxiety or guilt. We could know that nothing would be impossible to us. We could see our prayers answered daily. We could witness miracles as we prayed for the sick to be healed. And we could banish demons out of our lives, out of our families' lives, and out of those we encounter every day. We would get out of bed every morning thrilled to share the gospel of Christ Jesus. And evangelizing others would be our greatest joy. But most importantly, if we could just understand this concept, we could experience the love of God so deeply that we would abandon every sin and every distraction. And we would never want to leave the presence of the Father. 
our lives would be wholly devoted to loving the Son and walking in the Holy Spirit. What is this amazing concept? Jesus taught this revelation throughout his ministry. His word, this word, echoes through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You find the same truth reverberating through Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, Hebrews, Philemon, 1st Peter, 1st John, 1st and 2nd Timothy, and Revelation. But don't panic. We're not going through all those scriptures this morning. So what is this revelation? Well, first, let's talk about what is the gospel. If you boil down everything in a nutshell, what is the gospel of Christ Jesus? We find the simple gospel, the essential gospel, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. Now, brothers, I remind you of the gospel which I preached to you and which you also received and on which you stand and by which you are saved. I delivered to you of first importance that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. According to the Apostle Paul, the gospel contains two historical facts. The first is the fact that Jesus died for our sins. And the second is the fact that God raised him from the dead. Jesus' burial proves that he died. And the fact that eyewitnesses saw him after his death proves the resurrection. To believe these two facts and to confess them as truth is the essence to coming to faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess or confess your faith and are saved. That's very important. Jesus died for our sins. Jesus was raised by the power of God so that we too will be raised from the dead and live with him forever. If Jesus did nothing else, that was enough. The Hebrew word is dayenu. It was enough. We could stop right there and say hallelujah, couldn't we? But there's more. And the Apostle Paul taught the more. And the more is what we're considering this morning. It all begins in John chapter 12, verses 31 and 32. Jesus is telling his disciples that he's about to be crucified. He's about to be nailed to two beams of wood and then lifted up on that cross and executed as a criminal by the Romans. By his death, Jesus says, the power of Satan and of evil will be crushed. Jesus says, now is the judgment of the world. Now the prince of this world will be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto myself. 
What does that mean when Jesus said he would draw all men to himself? Before I knew Jesus, I was a sinner. I had broken all of God's laws. There was not one that I missed. And because of my sins, I was separated from God. And my spirit was dead to him. I deserved only hell. God's justice demanded that I die to pay the penalty for my crimes against others and against him. God's eternal law says that if you sin, you must die. I was powerless to save myself. I was powerless to make things right with God. I had no hope. But the Father God sent his perfect sinless son to die for me. When Jesus died on that cross, a mystical transaction took place in the spirit realm. Jesus absorbed me into himself. He drew my spirit, the real me, into himself. And as he suffered and was tortured on that cross, I was inside of him. I could never have endured that kind of suffering. I could never have had the strength, the supernatural endurance, the will to stay on that cross and suffer for my own sins. But Jesus could. And he allowed me to be inside of him, getting all the benefit while he endured all of the suffering. I remained hidden inside of him while he was smothered on that cross, while his holy blood poured out of those jagged wounds. I was hidden inside of him as he resisted the greatest temptation to call out to his father to save him, to speak one word and destroy his enemies and to come down off of that cross. But because I was inside of him, he stayed on that cross for me. Then as he died that horrible, shameful, excruciating death, I died still inside of him. And as he was buried in that tomb, I was buried with him. And as I died, I died to all the judgment and all the penalty for my sins. I died to every accusation of the enemy against me. I died to the law that stood against me and the wrath of God against me. It died there too. Now the Father's justice was satisfied. And because Jesus had committed no sin but had lived a sinless life, the law of sin and death had no power over him. Then the Father God raised Jesus from the dead. But I was still inside of Jesus one with him so that as the father raised Jesus from the dead, he was raising me with Jesus to life with him forever. 
I was hidden with him in his death. I was hidden in him when he was buried. I was raised with him and seated with him in him in the heavenly places, snuggled up to the Father God. This is the great revelation. My spirit is one with him. I am one with him, and the Father no longer sees me. He no longer sees the sin, the sinner. He no longer sees the failure that I was. He no longer sees the rebel. The Father looks at me, and all he sees is Jesus. This is what the Apostle Paul called the riches of the glory of the mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let's read that in the Passion Translation. This is Colossians 1, 27. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of his glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people. And God wants everyone to know about it. Jesus is embedded within you. We have been encapsulated in Christ. We reside in Christ Jesus and he resides in us. If you have been born again, Jesus resides at the core of your being. This is the revelation that the Apostle Paul received directly from Jesus Christ. In Galatians 1, 1 through, excuse me, 11 through 12, Paul says, But I make it known to you, brethren, that the gospel that was preached by me was not according to man, for I neither received it from man nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to the apostles who were before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. The Holy Spirit revealed to Paul that Jesus, the Son of God, was now living inside of Paul. And the immensity of that revelation was so great that Paul had to go away by himself and seek the Lord, seek solitude, so that he could process that truth. The revelation of who we are in Christ Jesus runs like a river through the New Testament. Identity in Christ Jesus, our union with Jesus is portrayed in scriptures in passages that contain the words in Christ Jesus, in him, in whom, through whom, through Christ. Jesus inhabits us He is both at the right hand of the Father God Almighty in heaven and he is in us, enclosed in our spirit, soul, and body. 
You may be like me and you've had an intellectual grasp of that. Yes, I could have told you that before, but I didn't know it. It takes the Holy Spirit to reveal this truth in us. But when he does, it explodes inside of us and we can actually live like Jesus lives inside of us. This process started for me several months ago. Alan and Rachel Isom were hosting a small group in their home and Tate Hips was there and he said to the group, What is it that's keeping you from becoming the person you were meant to become? What is it that's keeping you from your destiny? When he said that, I thought about it, and I immediately started thinking, well, it's because I don't pray enough, and I don't fast enough, and I don't read the Word enough, and I don't spend enough time alone with the Lord. That's That's what's keeping me from my destiny. But the Holy Spirit rose up inside of me, and he said to me, no. It's because you don't see yourself as I see you. So I cried out to the Lord then and I said, show me how you see me, Lord. Show me what you see when you look at me. And soon after that, the Lord led me to a book by Joe McIntyre. And Joe has been a pastor for many years. And one day, Joe said to the Lord, Lord, why don't your Christians, why don't believers have faith in you? Why don't they believe in you? And the Lord spoke to Joe. And he said, because they don't believe, I love them. And Joe said, well, Lord, then should I preach about how much you love people? And he said, no. He said, tell them who they are in Christ Jesus. And they will know that I love them. In Christ The whole revelation of who we are in Christ is rooted in the love of the Father God for us and his eternal plan to adopt us as sons and daughters unto himself, as beloved children, children whom he sees now in his son, perfect, blameless, flawless, Holy, accepted. Ephesians 1, 3 through 4, the Passion Translation says, Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus has been poured out on us as a love gift from the wonderful heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because he sees us wrapped in Christ. John John 6, 5 and 6, Jesus says, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Jesus wants us to see ourselves wearing his flesh, having his body as our body, having his holy blood flowing through our veins. The whole ritual of the Eucharist, of communion, of the Lord's Supper, is meant to ignite a faith picture in our imaginations that as we eat the bread, we are consuming Jesus' flesh. 
And as we drink the wine or the grape juice, we are ingesting Jesus' own blood. We have been morphed into Jesus. In Mark 16, 16, Jesus says, He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Well, what is the big deal about water baptism? Why is it so essential? Because it is a picture. It's a spiritual model of how we are absorbed, planted, and inserted into Christ Jesus. As we go down under the water during baptism, our old man drowns. Who we were before dies. And as we are raised up from the water, we arise as a new person, fully alive now in Christ Jesus. One translation of Galatians 3, 26 and 27 says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ like a garment. Jesus taught his disciples that they were not just to believe in him. They were to be one with him. Jesus says, yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, and because I live, you also will live. And in that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him And make our home in him. (laughs) The Holy Spirit who is living inside of you is the spirit of both the Father God Almighty and Christ Jesus. In Matthew 13, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like baking powder that a woman took and she sprinkled it into a bowl of water. Excuse me, she sprinkled it into a bowl of flour. We're like that white baking powder poured into the white flour of Jesus and stirred together. And how many of you know, once it's blended together, you can't pick out the white baking powder from the white flour? It's all one, it's all blended together. You can't even see anything but the flour anymore. Well, that's a picture of us. That's us in Christ Jesus. Picture yourself hidden in Christ Jesus, standing before the Father God's throne in heaven. Picture him seeing you the same way that he sees Jesus, with the same favor, the same grace, the same delight, the same pleasure in you that he sees Jesus with. That's the truth. That's the truth. The truth is not the accusations of the enemy. The truth is not the condemnation. 
The truth is not the anxiety and the fear and the apprehension and the dread of a holy God that we can never approach. The truth is you are in Christ Jesus. If we see ourselves the way that the Father sees us, we're never afraid to come to him. We delight to spend time in his presence because we know we're unconditionally loved. We have boldness to come before his throne of grace to receive mercy and grace to help. We can rest before the Father and enjoy fellowship with the Father and the Son. And if we sin, we confess our sins, and the blood of Jesus immediately and fully cleanses us. But we never left our place of being in Christ Jesus. But unless our minds are renewed to this truth of who we are in Christ, we will never rest. We will always feel condemned. We will always feel disqualified. We will always feel unworthy. We will always be trying to earn the love of the Father by praying enough, by reading our Bible enough, by witnessing enough. We will always be trying to make ourselves feel worthy to be in his presence. We strive to earn God's approval. We sin and then we feel ashamed and we run away from from God like Adam and Eve did. But notice in Romans 8, Verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who, what? Are in Christ Jesus. Jesus. It is knowing our identity in Christ that saves us from all condemnation that the enemy tries to throw on us. When we know that we stand before the Father clothed with Christ and his righteousness, condemnation doesn't have a chance. That's why the Apostle Paul prayed in Ephesians 3. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might, by his spirit in the inner man. So what? Strengthened with might in the inner man by his spirit. So what? That Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. And that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of God that passes all understanding that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. It is the fullness of Christ that is in us. You don't have to do anything to make this true. It's already true. What you have to do is receive it, believe it, and confess it the same way way you got saved. It's the same thing. Paul 
agonized in prayer that the Galatians would come into the fullness of the mystery. In Galatians 4.19, he says, My little children, with whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Christ is already in us, but the transformation happens when we start believing it. When Paul believed that Christ was in him, Paul raised the dead and healed the sick and cast out demons. Yes? So we must earnestly seek the Holy Spirit to reveal this in our imagination so that we can see it in our hearts. And then we must renew our mind to this truth. And we must confess it. Because like we read the verse earlier, it's by confession that we're saved. There, are, there is power in your words. The Bible says death and life or in the power of the tongue. What you say, you will believe. Yes, come on. Yes. Good or bad. Yep. So I recommend Joe McIntyre's book. I think we have a... There it is. <laughs> I recommend Joe McIntyre's book, Who We Are in Christ, because he has compiled all the scriptures with the phrases, in Christ, in him, through Christ Jesus. And these scriptures come alive as we pray them aloud. And here's what it looks like. It's a thanksgiving to the Father. Father, I thank you that I abide in Christ Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that your word says that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away, and behold, the new has come. Christ has been made unto me the wisdom of God righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. I have been baptized into Christ. I am clothed with Christ. My life is hidden with Christ in God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So since I've begun to, to seek after this truth, and the Lord is making it alive to me, I confess these scriptures. I just walk around my apartment and I confess it, and I meditate in it, and I pray in tongues with all my might. And the presence of God, the Spirit of God just suddenly becomes so real, and joy begins exploding on the inside of me. And I feel the presence of God so heavy around me and, and peace floods my emotions. Come on. Assurance is what the Father wants to give you. Yes. The assurance that he loves you, that he's in you, that he's for you. He loved you so much he didn't withhold his own son, but he inserted him into you. Since I've been meditating on these scriptures, the, the more I do that, the more I realize that I'm a spirit. You know, I knew that intellectually. I'm a spirit. I have a soul, but I live in a body. But now I know it. I'm a spirit. I'm a spirit. I happen to have a mind and a will and emotions and a body, but I'm a spirit. And the word says 
that I can reckon myself dead unto sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. I am alive. My spirit, man, is alive to God right now. It's like when you begin to confess these scriptures and when you begin to pray in tongues over them and meditate on them, when you want them more than anything else, this revelation in you, suddenly it's like your whole spirit, soul, and body becomes animated by the Holy Spirit. And your body just relaxes and feels so powerful and fluid. (laughs) And when I'm praying in tongues and praying these scriptures, it's like, I can't explain it. It's not like my natural emotions, but it's like the emotions of my heart, the emotions of my spirit come alive. And those emotions are so much more intense, so much stronger than my natural emotions. Does that resonate with anybody? Do you know what I'm talking about? It's weird, but it's wonderful. So my will is so consumed that all I want is just to be with the Lord and just to be there with him and just to soak in him and just to luxuriate in his presence because I feel so at home there. It's like I transcend out of the world and out of myself and into Jesus. This morning is an invitation. You know, some of you are so much further along this journey than I am. I've just begun. I'm not there yet. (laughs) But I'm excited about getting there. And this morning is an invitation to you to come and rest in knowing that he is in you. Today is an invitation for you to believe the love of God for you. Today, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are inviting you to shake off the condemnation, the accusation, the guilt, the anxiety that the enemy is putting upon you. And to come and to be one with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit of adoption. The Spirit of adoption is in us. You are so welcome. You were so cherished. You were so delighted in. And there's no shame or dread or anxiety or doubt or blame that can keep you from him. His arms are outstretched to you this morning. When I was praying yesterday about this, I saw Jesus standing up here. And his arms were outstretched. And I saw him cupping his hands together and putting them underneath your chin and around your cheeks. And I saw him gently lifting your head up and inviting you to look deeply into his eyes. Some of us never want to look into his eyes because we're so full of fear and dread of what we think he would see in us. But he sees the Father. He sees the Spirit. He sees himself in you. He's looking at a mirror when he looks at you. I'm inviting you this morning to let him cup your face in his hands 
and lift your face to him and lift your eyes to him and see the love and the acceptance that he has for you this morning and to know that all is well. Pops, you can play. You are his beloved child this morning. He is in you. He is with you. I want to invite you this morning, if you will, come down. Run! Run into his arms today. Run! Don't hold back. Don't fear. Don't be afraid. Don't hold back. Just run into his arms today and receive the everlasting arms around you. Yeah. 